Welcome to our fourth episode of the HCAN Connection. My name is Katie. I'm a former student governor to the HCAN Board of Governors and the current PR and Communications co-chair. I'm a PhD student in electrical engineering at Iowa State University and your host for today. Our topic is HCAN Awards and we have with us Dr. Watkins and Dr. Meyer. Dr. Steve Watkins is a professor and interim chair of electrical and computer engineering at Missouri University of Science and Technology. His research areas include instrumentation and engineering education. His PhD is from the University of Texas at Austin. He has served as a distinguished visiting professor at the U.S. Air Force Academy, an IEEE USA Congressional Fellow, and a visiting professor physicist for the U.S. Air Force Phillips Laboratory. He is a co-advisor of the Gamma Theta chapter of HKN, was the 2018 president of IEEE HKN, is current co-editor-in-chief of HKN's The Bridge Magazine, and a vice president of the IEEE Education Society. His professional affiliations are with IEEE, SPIE, and ASEE. He received the IEEE USA Jim Watson Student Professional Awareness Award and the IEEE Region 5 Outstanding Educator and member awards. So thank you, Dr. Watkins, again for being here. Uh, Dr. Russ Meyer teaches computer architecture at Milwaukee School of Engineering. His PhD is in computer engineering from Iowa State University. His funded research explores how first-year students develop computational thinking. He received the Iowa State University Teaching Excellence Award, the Iowa State University Warren B. Boast Award for Undergraduate Teaching Excellence, and the MSOE Oscar Werwath Distinguished Teacher Award. He belongs to IEEE and HKN, the IEEE Computer and Education Societies, as well as the American Society for Engineering Education and its Electrical and Computer Engineering and Educational Research and Methods Divisions. In these group, he, groups, he helps deliver engineering education conferences, webinars, and certificate programs. He leads teams accrediting engineering degrees. IEEE elevated him to fellow for contributions to global online engineering education, and the International Society for Engineering Education bestowed International Engineering Educator Honoris Causa for outstanding contributions in engineering education. So thank you, Dr. Meyer, also for being here. Um, we appreciate you, you both spending time with us today. And first up, we want to set, set the stage a little bit. We want to you know, provide our audience with a little bit of context about what the HCAN Awards are, um, the nomination process, those kind of things. So I'm going to share my screen real quick. And we're going to take a look at the, um, the different awards that we have. So here on my screen, hopefully you can see our awards page on the HCAN website. And this lists out all of our different awards, the Outstanding Chapter Award, the Outstanding Student Award, um, the Assad and Madney Outstanding Technical Achievement and Excellence Award, Distinguished Service, Outstanding Young Professional Award, um, the Outstanding Teaching Award, as well as their deadlines, nomination uh, portal, etc. Um, if you go into any of these awards, you can learn a little bit more about them, you know, their purpose, eligibility, the subcommittee, their history. Um, if you do decide to make a nomination and go into the nomination portal, after you log in with your IEEE account, you can get to this page here and you can kind of see the different aspects that go into a nomination, name, affiliation, address, um, 
education, professional history, affiliations, etc. So I just wanted to show that to you all so that we all have the same context. Um, if, if you want to learn more, you can always go to our website, hcan.org. But let's, let's now jump into our conversation a little bit here. So um, Dr. Watkins and Dr. Meyer, can you tell us a little bit about your involvement with the HCAN Awards programs? Well, as a uh, chapter advisor, uh, you know, there are the chap outstanding chapter awards and outstanding student awards. So and that's something that you know, we want to participate in to you know, honor, hopefully honor, and I recognize the students and the chapter for their activities. So I'm involved in that process uh, about you know, having nominees and often doing endorsements for those nominees. And for our alumni, I think the Outstanding Young Professional Award is, is great to recognize the alumni that have been out for a while. So often I'll, I'll talk to our alumni that have been uh, HKN members and, uh, and encourage them to apply and, and work with that nomination as well. So I've, I've done that for a number of years and it's a, a great way of, of promoting people and promoting HKN. Great, thank you. And Dr. Meyer, what about you? Well, thank you very much, Katie, for asking me to join you today uh, to talk about the IEEE HKN Awards program. So I've been the chair of the C. Holmes McDonald Outstanding Teacher Award for the past two years. And I think what's important for chapters to note is that as stated in the call for applicants, this award is intended to recognize the central and crucial role that college professors have in training and motivating future electrical, computer, and the allied field student engineers. And so the program attempts to identify and give international recognition to those electrical, computer, and allied field professors who've demonstrated very early in their careers a special dedication and creativity in their teaching responsibilities. And it's been my pleasure over the last two years to chair the committee that reviews the applications that are submitted. Great, great. So let's let's get into the awards process a little bit more you know i think there's a few common questions that we get a lot especially from students from chapters that are looking to maybe nominate somebody that they know that they think would be a great candidate for these awards but um, i think one of the most common questions is just how do you nominate somebody for an award like this you know if you're going to nominate someone do you work with the person that you want to be the nominee to get all this information you know like we saw in the nomination portal, there's there's some information about you know professional affiliation or their contributions that you as a student may not know about your professor, even though you think they're an awesome professor. So, do does the nominator work with the nominee to prepare these types of applications? Yeah, that's well, certainly. Oh, go ahead, Russ. So certainly for the outstanding teacher award, um, this award doesn't allow self nomination. And so chapters and individuals are nominating the candidates. And that's going to require you working with them because you may not know some of the information about the professor that you're nominating. Steve? And uh, that's true for the Outstanding Student Award as well, that the chapter is making the nomination. Uh, but to get a good award application, you need to have that information of the student. Like, like Russ said, you know, many times you may not know all the details and you want to make sure that the, the candidate has the, the best option possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And actually submitting an application is, it's a, it's a pretty easy process. It's not done on paper any longer. It's done through um, a web form available on the IEEE HKN website. 
as Katie showed at the start uh, in her presentation, every one of the awards has a hyperlink that takes you to um, the awards portal. And through that awards portal then, which is really part of IEEE's central nominations award portal, portal that's used by multiple IEEE organizational units. And once you get there, it's gonna allow you as a nominator to start your nominations. But the nice thing about it is you don't have to finish them in one sitting. So you can work on them over multiple editing sessions, save them using the save information button, come back to them a couple days later when you have additional time, when you found out some more information you might need, keep editing those uh, fields that you didn't have completed, go back and proofread everything. And then when you're finally ready to submit it, you just click the submit button. So, it, so it's really a very straightforward process, mm -hmm. but it's certainly one that does take time and it's one that you have to collect information for. Okay, yeah, and I think that that's also a good point that this is pretty much the same process that you would use for other IEEE awards too. So, you know, if, if your chapter or, you know, if you as an individual want to maybe nominate professors or students for any of these other IEEE awards, you know, this can be a good learning experience too for, <laughs> for getting ready for that either as a student or in your professional career. Katie, if I could interject, I think sure. that uh, sometimes getting someone to be willing to be nominated uh, is, a, is a preliminary thing, a step that needs to be thought about because many times those that are really well deserving of recognition may not even be thinking in terms of, oh, I should be put up for this award. So probably the majority of the, you know, would be at students or, or teachers or young professionals that I've worked with in the past where I've been the, the nominator myself, uh, often, first time I talked to them, they hadn't even thought about it much. So, and many times it's like, me, should I, am I eligible for that? Am, am I worthy of that? Uh, so often it takes some encouragement on my part. Yeah, we need to submit you. I think you've done some good work and uh, yeah, let's give it a try. So uh, I think having someone there that will actually go out and encourage someone to be willing to be nominated uh, is important. So be thinking about developing those. I think it's a good mentoring relationship whether it's faculty with students or faculty with junior faculty or faculty with alumni, uh, I think those are all really important to be able to really encourage people to, you know, put their name in the hat. Right, definitely. Yeah, and, you know, something that comes to mind to me right now, too, is, you know, with chapters, we have people graduating all the time, and a lot of times we're staying in touch with some of those young alumni as they're, you know, starting their careers, as they're, you know, building up their professional lives. So I think another way that chapters can engage with this process is, you know, maybe nominating some of those young alumni for the Outstanding Young Engineer Award too. And, you know, maintaining that relationship that way as well. So. Mm -hmm. um, and then for the Outstanding uh, Young Professional and the Outstanding Teacher, there's nothing that uh, prohibits someone being nominated a second year if they aren't successful the first year, as long as they still meet the eligibility criteria. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, too. Um, so I think primarily, though, chapters tend to engage with the Outstanding Teaching Award and the Outstanding Student Award. Those are the two that I think chapters are most of the time trying to nominate somebody for. So maybe let's dive into those a little bit more. So chapters can submit uh, one nominee for the Outstanding Student Award per year. Is this also the case with the Outstanding Teaching Award, or could they submit multiple teachers if they wanted to? 
Yeah, so that's that's not the case that only one application can be submitted by a chapter. You know, theoretically, chapters could submit multiple applications if they desired. You know, one thing, however, that we would want to note for chapters considering a nomination is that the highest quality applications are going to have the best chance of being successful. So IEEE HKN recommends that each chapter strongly consider submitting only one thoughtful and carefully crafted nomination for the Outstanding Teacher Award. Okay, okay, yeah, that, that's really good to know. Yeah, so what we recommend is we recommend that the chapter leaders work together to decide on a nominee. And then these leaders would examine the questions about the candidate on the web form that require answers and then spend some time researching their answers to those questions and then creating well-written essays that provide support for the application. Um, these essays can include opinions, they can include facts, documentation of any verifiable projects or other deliverables that have been completed by the candidate and, and so on. One thing to note though is that the nomination form from that chapter will indeed still require an individual's name. And so one member of the chapter leadership team will have to officially represent the chapter as the nominator. Mm -hmm. But of course it should be noted that individuals and not just chapters can submit applications. And so if a chapter is at an institution where they feel there are two or three strong candidates, the chapter can put forward a well-written candidate uh, application package and other individuals can submit for the other uh, teachers that the chapter would like to have considered. Um, but again, what we really want to emphasize is that it's the highest quality, best written applications that have the chance of success. And so we strongly encourage chapters to consider one really well done application mm -hmm. package. Right, and I, I would comment on the timing a little bit. Uh, this is an annual awards process, so chapters, you know, can anticipate that you know there's going to be the same deadline every year for these awards. So they don't have to wait for the call to come out because usually the call is coming out, you know, a month or two before the deadline. Uh, you can incorporate that into a, a chapter's regular schedule of activities. That okay, maybe it's. January or February, let's do our selection now so we have plenty of time to do this quality application as Russ was talking about. And I know that's something that's worked out very well here at Missouri S&T for the Outstanding Student Award uh, because we do want to have a nominee every year that we just put that as part of our chapter activities that uh, typically about the 1st of April uh, we'll do an internal selection and that will give us plenty of time uh, for putting that application together and doing a good job, again, particularly with you know the, the busy schedule students have uh, right before maybe their semester ends. And uh, an aspect of that too is the endorsement letters because uh, you can spend a lot of time putting the application together, but you have to give your endorsers enough time to write a letter and they have a busy schedule as well. Right, right. And so I think a couple of comments can be made here. I mean, with the Outstanding Teaching Award in particular, the deadline this year is May 3rd, I believe, and that's pretty typical. I think last year was May 4th, so around that time frame. So again, you can plan for it. You know when it's coming. Um, and these awards, they're not going to change drastically year to year. You know, there may be 
a clarifying sentence added to the application based on something that happened the previous year, but the purpose of the award, the eligibility, the criteria, the reasoning behind it, n none of that's really going to change, so you really can plan ahead. Um, I think as well too, you know, Dr. Watkins, you mentioned chapters can kind of make this part of their activities. Um, even on our activity reporting form, there's a box to check that says, was this a nomination for one of the HCAN awards? So you can get activity hours too for your chapter for submitting this. And that is a factor too in stuff like the key chapter recognition, the outstanding chapter award. So that does factor into some of these other awards that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and then, too, in terms of putting together a quality application, you know, making sure it's concise, it's clear, you have a really well-written package, I think chapters can definitely work with their, their chapter faculty advisors, but a lot of campuses also have writing centers, and that could be a really good resource, too, to go get some third-party eyes on it, get another opinion of, are you making a good case? in this application? Are, are you selling your nominee and really giving them um, all the credit they deserve and making their accomplishments sound as good as they are? Mm. Students often, you know, just due to the, the nature of academic activities and papers that they write in academia, you know, they tend to think, okay, I'm going to write it, I'm going to submit it, and I'm done. For something like this, and yeah, I think it's going to be true as they do other things in the future, it shouldn't be a let's write it and submit it process. It should be let's write it, like you said, let's have somebody review it, let's do some edits, maybe give a little time to then reread it uh, so that you have fresh eyes on it yourself. So you really should be thinking about it as a you know an iterative process if you want to have a quality application. Mm -hmm. And I think another key point to remember is that it is a competitive process. The applications that are received are highly competitive. And so you want to ensure that you've taken the appropriate time to create the nomination mm -hmm. so that you're accurately reflecting your candidate and making them competitive among the others that are being submitted. Mm. The various aspects of the application should also be coordinated. You know, if a candidate has some, some really prominent aspects of their resume that you want to highlight in the application, it would be good if you, maybe you had an endorser or a recommending letter that would highlight that as well, because you really want to reinforce those those key points and make sure that the review committee, you know, sees that and understands the significance of, of what's being highlighted. Yeah, definitely. And so along similar lines, you know, if say a chapter only has time to really put together one quality nomination for outstanding uh, teaching award and we already know that they only can put forth one one nomination for the outstanding student award. How how should they go about figuring out who that nominee should be? Should they set up some sort of internal selection process to figure that out? You know, what what are some of maybe the best practices that chapters could adopt to figure out who should the be practice, their nominee? The practice that I set up as advisor with our officers is that uh, we schedule the time we're going to accept the preliminary nominations from our students and we advertise what the award is and what it requires and so forth. But because it is a rather extensive application, we don't want, you know, multiple students spending a lot of time and then, you know, having the ones that have spent several hours putting this together. Because, uh, you know, you kind of know, you know, based on experience and particularly among the chapter advisors, uh, you know, what it takes to have a successful application. 
So I invite our students to submit a resume. They can add to it. Uh, but I tell them that you know, we're not worried about a polished application. We're not necessarily worried about you filling the blocks that are in the, the formal application we'll have to make. But I do tell them that well, we need to have information on these categories. So often it's just a, a simple resume that perhaps you know, they've used for other purposes that maybe they annotate a few things to or maybe add a, a document to. And then we set up a committee of the chapter advisors and faculty and at least one of the authors because you want to have their input into this as well. And we'll have a discussion based on those submissions on who we think is the best candidate. And that's worked out very well for us. So I think carrying off of what Steve is suggesting for the Outstanding Student Award, I think the same process could be used by a chapter to help determine their Outstanding Teacher Award nominee. But unlike Steve's statement about students submitting resumes, I think the difference with the Outstanding Teaching Award that you have to consider is that it recognizes early career faculty that have truly made an impact in teaching excellence. And so I think the primary criteria the chapter should consider is in what ways has the candidate excelled within the classroom? Or have they ex he or she excelled in support of students out of class education? Um, what ways has the candidate demonstrated unique ways of teaching or integrated research into their classes or integrated industry experience into their classes and, and so on? Mm -hmm. In other words, how has that candidate shown special dedication or creativity that sets them apart from others? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think too, another thing I've heard for chapters selecting candidates, um, especially for the Outstanding Student Award, is sometimes departments have their own internal awards where they're you know, awarding an Outstanding Senior Award within their department already. So sometimes chapters can kind of piggyback off of that and use that selection process to help with their selection process as well um, so that they're not you know creating a whole nother mechanism um, outside of that already established system so there's a lot of options depending on your university dynamic and how that all works too um, so another point I heard both of you make is um, eligibility and making sure that the candidates are are eligible before they apply so they don't kind of waste their time um, for for the Outstanding Teaching Award, um, I know this is for early career professors. Is there, is there any sort of criteria or limits on that? Or what does early career really mean? Yeah, that's early career, it's not defined in the call for nominations. However, I will tell you that recent committees have generally viewed early career to mean assistant professors. So associate professors, full professors, would not be looked upon by the committee in the same way as assistant professors. And so if we think about the ranks at a university, that could help in your selection criteria. You want to be looking at the assistant professors. Okay. And as a second criteria, the committees have been most favorable to those applications that come from assistant professors that have no more than eight years of teaching experience in higher education. And so you may not know the background of the teacher that you're considering nominating. And so that's why it becomes important to research um, the educational background. When did they start teaching? Um, were they in industry first? Um, and, and, you know, you probably want to stay somewhere below the six to eight years range when, when you're looking at early career. And so 
I think, you know, using eight years as your maximum is a great cutoff point. Okay. Yeah, great. And I feel like, too, that's probably information that, you know, students in a chapter can maybe find on that professor's website or in their CV, that kind of thing, too. So they can kind of narrow it down before they're going out and asking a professor if they want to be their nominee. So we've we've talked a little bit about, you know, what really makes an effective nomination, but are there any other tips, tricks, things that people should be considering from from your perspectives? So, you know, I think really thoughtful, well-crafted sentences. So I know earlier we talked about perhaps having your writing center review what you're submitting, Um, but also concise sentences that use very strong action verbs to make the case. Um, So another thing is verifiable facts. So these kinds of verifiable facts should have citations or hyperlinks or pictures, something that can aid the committee in examining any of the materials that you're using to support that given fact. Mm -hmm. And I think that can definitely, I think those two things, very good crafted English sentences as well as verifiable facts can really help the outstanding teaching award committee. Steve? Now, speak a little bit about outstanding student award in particular, but I think what also applies somewhat to the outstanding teaching award is you want to make sure in the various sections you're submitting that you're really addressing what's being asked. If you're making a contribution, make sure that's that's way at the top. You know, if, if you're uh, wanting to say this person has uh, been an outstanding, let's say, chapter leader, if we're talking about a student, you want to make sure that's really clear. And you want to make it easy for the review committee for the award to really compare applications. So think about it from the, the committee's point of view and what's going to help them check those boxes and make sure that, you know, yes, they are eligible. Yes, they have, you know, they've shown outstanding performance in this area. So in reading the various applications, uh, once you're doing that editing process, try to put yourself in the shoes of someone that has a stack of these and is reading them uh, you know, very quickly and they're, they're starting to rank things and then put people in, in order and you wanna make sure that you, you don't lose a, a good ranking because you've hidden the information that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I can I can kind of speak to that as well. I applied for the Outstanding Student Award in um, 2017 and was one of the co-recipients that year. And something I, I worked hard on with the help of Dr. Watkins was, you know, making sure that um, my application was organized, that the things I wanted to highlight were, were very clear and upfront. I wasn't, um, you kind of have to not not be overconfident or bragging, but you have to not minimize your own accomplishments when you're putting together an, an application like this. You have to say, hey, I did this thing, and it was impactful. Look at it. <laughs> um, and, and related to that, many times there are maybe a, a position that a student or a faculty member is held or an activity they're involved in, and the significance of that may not be clear because in one institution, maybe being a, a, a resident assistant is you know, a fairly minimal sort of responsibility. In another, it may be a, almost a part-time job. So you need to make sure that the 
the review committee understands the significance of something. And even among chapters, uh, let's say a, a chapter officer, uh, if you're involved, let's say on a service committee, if you can highlight in your description, not that I was simply service committee chair, but we had a service committee, I was the chair, and we did these activities. And that's going to really show that, okay, yeah, this was a significant chairmanship versus maybe something that, okay, I showed up for meetings and we did one small activity. Right, definitely. And, and too, I can also speak towards the side of being an award reviewer before. You know, I'm, I'm part of the IEEE Instrumentation and Measurement Society Awards Committee and, you know, getting a stack of applications for all the awards and trying to go through them and figure out, you know, who's most deserving this year of this award. Um, you know, something that I've had to really look at is, does this application meet the brief? You know, if, if this person is being nominated for a distinguished service award and only their technical achievements and none of their service is talked about, you know, it's hard to say that they're the person most deserving of this award. Maybe they did a ton of service and, and you know about that through the grapevine, but the application isn't highlighting any of that. So it's harder to, you know, rank it that way as well. So, you know, a lot of times I would also say making sure your application speaks for itself. Don't rely on just the people on the awards committee maybe knowing of <laughs> what you've done to, to make the difference. Um, so one, one other question here about um, putting together a nomination and nominating somebody for an award. Um, in your opinion, why should we put in this effort and this work to nominate somebody? What's, what's the bigger impact or benefit of nominating somebody for an award like one of these? Well, and I think there's several aspects of that. HKN, in its very nature, it's an honor society. And what we're wanting to do is recognize excellence. And uh, the awards process is simply an additional level of being able to recognize excellence within the profession. Uh, whether you're at the, the student level or you're a, an academic teaching or you're a young professional, which you could be in academia or uh, in industry. Uh, so we want to recognize excellence. And I think that is certainly a boost for the career of the person being recognized. Uh, you know, all of these uh, HKN awards are, are prominent IEEE awards and they're very significant that they've been selected among our international pool. Uh, as well with that, I think that by recognizing people or students uh, you know, for these awards, you're really showing some models of, of what we mean by excellence in the profession. And I think that's a good inspiration for others that, uh, you, know, you know, I would like to do that or I'd like to do these sorts of things. So I think it really uh, showcases that. Mm -hmm. And then speaking for the Outstanding Teacher Award, I think oftentimes students feel like they they might be a little bit afraid of submitting a nomination. But you know, when you think about it, a university professor has many responsibilities that perhaps students don't know. Their responsibilities include teaching, continuing technical and professional development through self-study and through funded research. And they also have to complete service through committee work and other types of activities within their institution and within the broader engineering education community. And for many, these responsibilities can be really hard to balance in their early career. Excellence in the classroom shows a dedication to the student mission of the university 
And a nomination can help that early career faculty member build their confidence and their self-efficacy. It also helps the candidate reinforce that what they're doing is the right career choice, and that it's making a recognizable difference in the lives of the students that are in the classroom with them. And I think those are powerful motivators for you to consider as you're um, thinking about nominating one of your faculty members. By, by doing a nomination, you're recognizing that what this faculty member is doing, you know, is really impacting you. It's really impacting your future. And by recognizing them, you help them understand that what they're doing is giving back to society in a way that's impactful. Yeah, definitely. Um, so switching gears a little bit to our um, a couple of our other awards, the Outstanding Chapter Award and the Key Chapter Recognition. Um, these are other awards that chapters tend to engage with a lot. They're something that chapters are always striving to earn. Um, and the primary difference between them is that the key chapter recognition is something that any chapter in a year can achieve, whereas the Outstanding Chapter Award is something that only approximately about the top 10% of chapters win per year. Um, the 2019-2020 Outstanding Chapter Award winners were just announced. They're up on our website, hcan.org, if you want to learn more and see which chapters were this year's winners. And those um, awards will also be presented at our virtual graduation celebration on June 5th. Um, but uh, let's talk a little bit about these awards and what chapters can be doing as they you know, work to earn these. So uh, Dr. Watkins, as a, a faculty advisor to the Gamma Theta chapter, uh, do you have any advice for chapters that are looking to earn these these awards and recognitions? Well, I think you need to talk to your chapter officers and make sure they're aware that they're there, but also put it in the context that really we're trying to, through HKN, uh, encourage the correct activities, encourage activities that's going to make a difference uh, in the students' uh, lives and the mission of the department and so forth. Key chapter in particular, it's, if you look at those criteria that you have for key chapters, really, are you doing the job that you should do as a chapter to be effective and to induct members and have activities and uh, to be involved with the international organization? So, and that's something, as you mentioned, that every chapter can get. We can have every chapter in HKN being a key chapter. So it's more of crossing a threshold for that one. Now that's that chapter award is the next level. There you're recognizing those that are, are truly outstanding in their activities. And for that, uh, with the way they're viewing it, a, a small chapter shouldn't feel like they're disadvantaged because they're looking at uh, a balance between how many activities and hours are being put in uh, versus how many members you have. So it puts large chapters and small chapters on an equal footing. But I think it's a great goal, particularly if you put it in the context of, yeah, let's go for this, but you know, think about why we're doing it. We're doing it because we want to serve our members, we want to serve our department, we want to recognize uh, excellence in the profession, and how can we organize these things so we are providing service to our members, to the department, to the community, and so forth. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I can kind of speak to this from both the Gamma Theta side, my, my alma mater at Missouri S&T, as well as uh, the current university I go to, Iowa State, and the new chapter there. Um, you know, I would say that a big thing is, you know, diversifying your activities. Not, don't, you know, pigeonhole yourself into this tiny box and say, oh, our chapter can 
can only do technical workshops and that's all we're ever going to do. You know, students are looking for a really wide variety of experiences to better themselves, to be a part of a community, to give back as well. So having service opportunities, having social opportunities, professional development, technical development, you know, there's so many things you can do and you can be really, really creative within your chapter too to, to meet the needs of the students in your department or at your university or even meet the needs of your community. Um, and part of it too is that member engagement aspect. It's, it's not only how many activities are we doing, but you know, how many activity hours per member are you kind of getting across the year and how many um, invitees are becoming members what's that conversion rate that's also kind of a factor in there as well so you know it's about the whole picture not not one tiny aspect it's about striving to be the best chapter that you can be across all these different aspects and in terms of the supplemental document that our chapter puts together for the award that we submit which is allowed in the process in addition to just the categorization of all the different areas that are are, are part of the algorithm for judging uh, you know, we put a little extra effort into that because then we preserve that document. So we've got this essentially a yearbook for the chapter and uh, to some degree it's a, a yearbook for the department. And more than once I've had you know, alumni come back and really enjoy looking through that document to see, oh yeah, I remember this, I remember that. So I think that becomes a resource for our department. Yeah, yeah. And I know we have a bunch of them in the project lab at Missouri S&T, so you know, I think, I think that was always fun too, even as a student, to look back to, you know, 10 years ago, what was the chapter doing? How have things changed? And you know, we have all of that history available to us, which I think is really, really amazing and exciting, and it, it just makes you proud to be a part of that chapter as well. So we're, we're getting close to the end of our episode. Um, are there any final thoughts either of you have anything else that you'd like to touch on before we wrap up? <laughs> well, I'll say again to reemphasize the point I made earlier. Uh, don't hesitate uh, if you think that you might be a candidate for one of these awards to seek out you know a mentor, a, you know a faculty advisor, a department chair. Uh, you know, a senior colleague that would serve as an endorser. Don't hesitate to do that. Uh, it's certainly a worthwhile thing for you to do. And if you're on the other end, you know, whether you're you're a senior faculty or a department chair like I am, I think it's important to start thinking about you know who might be good candidates for this. And even maybe a, a year before or two years before, thinking about okay, how could we develop this person over the next year or two so that you know eventually they would be a good candidate. So I would certainly encourage people to, you know, if, if they personally, you know, would maybe fit in one of these categories to explore that with a with mentor. And if you're on the mentor side, certainly uh, be very proactive about encouraging people. It's been more than once that, you know, I've talked to a student or a faculty member and maybe they weren't aware of the award or they didn't feel that they were you know, at the high enough level. And, and many times those are the people that actually ended up winning. And so I'll keep mine short and simply say, I hope that you will consider nominating a, a worthy faculty member from your institution. Uh, and I encourage you to get started immediately on that application so that you use the four weeks that remain before the application deadline in the most effective way and write the best application. Thank you. 
great. Uh, and then note for the Outstanding Student Award, that deadline is a little bit later than the other deadlines. So students have a little bit more than the four weeks. Right, right. So that deadline for the Outstanding Student Award is June 30th. So yes. like Dr. Watkins said, there there is still time. Your, your chapter can still figure out who you want your nominee to be. Um, but the sooner the better so that, again, they have that time to put together a quality application um, and really put their best foot forward. Um, we have one question in the chat here, um, and I'll use this as my final thoughts. And it says, um, for me, what, what did it mean to be recognized as the Outstanding Student Award winner? And I would say that, for me, what it meant was um, it, it really put HCAN in a larger context for me. Up until that point, you know, I had been engaged at the university level at, at my chapter, Gamma Theta, but I wasn't really engaged with the larger HCAN, the bigger picture. Um, so putting together an application and, you know, putting together pretty much everything I, I had done throughout my college career, because you're, you're nominated as a graduating senior, you know, putting that all on paper, getting those nomination letters, it was just kind of um, encapsulating my entire college career and putting it out there and then winning, you know, it, it made me recognize that I was a part of something so much larger than than just the chapter at my university. Um, and that also that my university experience had been um, at, at such a high quality level that I could win an award like this, which <laughs> to me was pretty amazing and, um, you know, unexpected. <laughs> you know, you don't think as a person going to a smaller school in, in Missouri that you're at the level to win an international award like this, but, but you can be. Um, and organizations like H can give you that platform to really make an impact, make a difference, and do something worthy of an award like this. So I would say those are, those are kind of my final thoughts, and I would really encourage you all to make sure that your chapter does put forth a nominee. Um, you know, any chapter can put forth a nominee that can be the winner for this, truly. So. Um, really take the time and really consider it. So we do have a couple segments here at the end to just wrap up our episode. Uh, first off, we want to highlight a successful chapter practice. Um, and so our successful practice of this episode is Mu Beta's five-day mobile package workshop series. Um, so it was a really great event that they held. They had um, a professor come in. They talked about a bunch of different topics in the mo mobile packaging realm. Um, you can read more about it on our social media pages, as well as in our new Successful Chapter Practices database that's available on our website. We also want to congratulate our um, 21 Outstanding Chapter Award winners this year that were just announced. You can also find out who those chapters were on our website, and those awards will be presented at our virtual graduation celebration that's coming up on June 5th. Registration is open, so if you want to register for that, again, you can go to our website. You can find the link there. Um, we'll be presenting those awards. We'll have some great speakers. We'll have a virtual graduation procession. We have a year in review video competition going on right now, too, and some of those videos will be presented at that event as well. So it should be really exciting, really great. Really encourage you to register for that. We also have a chapter leaders call coming up on April 24th. Um, information for that will be in our chapter leader Slack. And then we have our grad school panel coming up on May 19th. At this panel, we'll have five graduate students um, 
including both masters and PhD and non-traditional students talking about um, their graduate school experience and answering your questions on everything from applying to what day-to-day -day life is like and how to pick a program. So again, really encourage you to register for that. Information is on our website. So with that, um, I'd like to thank both you, Dr. Watkins, and you, Dr. Meyer, for being here today, for talking with us. We really, really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all of this information. And we'd also like to thank everybody who's watching. Um, be sure to like and subscribe so that you can get notifications for our future episodes and see all of our other videos and what HCAN is doing. So thank you all again, and have a wonderful day.